0: Hello again, Apostles Church. Um, we are now on week five of not being able to gather here and corporately worship. And it's been hard. I really miss standing shoulder to shoulder and just worshiping Jesus in song and fellowship. And we're all feeling that longing to gather again. And by God's grace, we're praying that it happens soon. But in the meantime, we are blessed to be able to still, in a way, sit under the same teaching, um, Consume and consider the same scriptures, and continually to encourage and love and serve each other throughout the community. Um, I have a few announcements for you this morning. So uh, before I do that, why don't you go ahead and turn your Bibles to the Book of Ecclesiastes, chapter eleven? We'll be reading verses one through six and studying verses one through six. Um, I have two announcements. Just one: a reminder, reminder that you can still give to the church. Um, you can give online. We have text giving. We also have our address. that You can send a check that way. Um, Also, I'm really excited to announce that we'll be going through the book of Galatians in about three weeks. Really excited to go through that book with you. Um, As a church, we do our best to go from Old Testament to New Testament and kind of keep a healthy rhythm and dose of both the Old and the New Testaments. So we'll be spending some time in Galatians. We do have scripture journals. So we're going to send an email just letting you know how you can pick them up and when you can pick them up and um, so we're excited for that. If you're on Instagram or Facebook or streaming off of Hulu or Amazon, which I'm pretty sure you probably are, I mean, there's not too much else we can do um, in our homes right now, um, then you probably have seen an ad for a company called Masterclass. And I've seen it several times, and every time I see it, I am kind of sort of interested. Because what Masterclass is, is basically they offer these classes on ranging topics taught by the world's best in that particular field. So for example if you want to take a tennis course you can take one by Serena Williams. That'd be cool. If you want an acting class you can take one by people like Natalie Portman, um, Samuel L. Jackson and many others. If you want to take a cooking class you can take one by Gordon Ramsay. If you're into space exploration or stargazing some of you are. You can take a a class by Chris Hadfield, the commander of the International Space Station. He's been to space three different times. The man is an expert and a rocket scientist. If you're interested in business strategy, you can take a class from the former CEO of Disney who helped close the deal on Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars. That would be an interesting class to take. And even if you're interested in the singing classes, they even have a class provided by Christina Aguilera. If that's your thing, That's cool. Anyway, I think the idea of masterclass is a pretty cool idea. Multiple courses taken by the the world's leading professionals in that type of field. Now in a lot of ways, the book of Ecclesiastes has been a series of masterclasses taught by the same teacher who is considered to be the wisest man to ever live. We read that in 1 Kings chapter four. And through these series of teachings, Solomon sets out to answer an extremely important question. The question is this, if life is hevel, which is the Hebrew word for either meaningless or a vapor or um, a mist, something that's here today and gone tomorrow, unfair, uncertain, outside of our control, if life is all of these things, how then should we live? How do we operate in a world that is unstable and at times doesn't really make sense. In our text this morning, Solomon is going to give another masterclass, so to speak, on how to live the life of faith in unpredictable conditions. And he's going to do this by giving us wisdom principles for investing our resources. Let's read the passage of scripture now, and then we'll begin with a word of prayer. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses one through six. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Father, we are so thankful that we can collectively hear and read and consider your word together this morning. We ask God that first and foremost you be glorified as your people come to you in a posture of worship, but also desiring to hear from you. We ask God that your Holy Spirit would minister to us, that he would teach us and encourage us and correct us if need be that he would help us become more like Jesus today. We pray God that we would treasure these words in our heart, that we'd pay attention, and we ask God again that you would be blessed and honored as we hear and receive from your word this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. I have four points for you this morning that helps us navigate this passage. Number one, invest your goods. Number two, exercise wisdom. Number three, accept unpredictability. And number four, live in faith. Real quick, all four. Invest your goods, exercise wisdom, accept unpredictability, and live in faith. Let's start with the first point. Found in chapter 11, verse one. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days days. Now when you read a verse like this, it for sure makes you scratch your head and try to figure out what exactly is Solomon saying here. And you're in good company because there are plenty of Bible scholars and teachers that interpret this passage differently. It can seem straightforward but at the same time is difficult to interpret. Some believe this passage is a call towards great generosity. Cast your wealth, your possessions, your food, your talents, your treasure, your time, all towards those who need it, which of course is a Christian responsibility and a Christian virtue. And it is a blessing to be generous, but the interpretation does not seem to fit with the overall structure of Solomon's teaching here in Ecclesiastes. Considering the context, this passage seems to be talking more so about investing God-given resources for gain. Let me explain. Many commentators understand this verse as a proverbial way of saying send your resources overseas and after many days, when the ships come back, you will make a profit. This would be a familiar scene in Solomon's life. He himself invested in merchant trading vessels. We read about that in 1 Kings 9 and 11, which records that he had a fleet of his own which brought back great wealth for him. So trading overseas was something that he was very familiar with and was very common. It was a common way to buy and to sell and to gain great profit, however, Trading and selling was a very risky and drawn out process when you did it this way. It required trust and it required patience. The word cast here is used to imply complete commitment. No safety net, no going back, storms could rise, ships could sink, and goods could be lost. And even if everything went great, the return on your investment could take months. This way of investing required faith because you're committing your resources to a business venture that has a level of risk and uncertainty. And Solomon's saying this, take the step of faith and do it because it's worth it. He instructs the reader to use their good for gain while they can. He then goes on to say, but when you invest this way, exercise wisdom, which is point two, exercise wisdom. Chapter 11 verse two, give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. Now Solomon is teaching investment strategy 101 here. He is specifically saying when investing your resources, spread them out over multiple ventures. In particular here, put them on multiple ships. Spread your resources out, modern translation, Don't put all your eggs into one basket. The reason being, if you place all of your resources into one venture and that venture fails, then you are left with nothing. So Solomon is saying diversify your investments. Because there is no way of telling what calamity could possibly be on the horizon. Now, I want to pause here and point out one of the two allusions to the life of faith that we will be seeing in our text today. I believe this passage is not only meant to make us think about exercising faith in financial investments, which it certainly is. It also is meant to force the reader to think about exercising faith in God in all of life. I mean, that is the ultimate goal of Solomon here, to show us that the only thing that lasts, the only thing that really matters in life under the sun is our relationship with the beyond the sun God. I hate to spoil it for you, But Ecclesiastes ends with these words in chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. We know Solomon's conclusion. The life of faith matters. Now the illusion here to the life of faith is this. Just like investing your goods for gain requires costly commitment and wise discernment, so too does placing your faith in Jesus. Let me repeat myself. Just like investing your goods for great gain requires costly commitment and wise discernment, so too does placing your faith in Jesus. It requires a thought through and committed casting of one's life to God. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Verse 33 So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now of course Jesus is not advocating for hate in this passage of scripture. But what he is saying is that your love and your commitment to your family and even your own life should pale in comparison to your devotion and your love towards God. So much so that even our great love for our family wouldn't come close to stopping us from pursuing and seeking after our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The cost here is great. It's a surrendering of one's family, desires, wealth, time, energy, relationships. It's surrendering one's life, complete life. But unlike earthly investments that don't guarantee return, our faith in God is a sure and steadfast anchor fixed by the blood of Christ. This is an encouragement found in the gospel that Jesus committed himself to us first. Romans 5, 8 tells us, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus thoughtfully considered the cost to save us and for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 12, 2 tells us, the life of faith begins with counting the cost and considering Christ worthy of investing your life. And for the Christian, when you grasp the reality that Jesus has given all for us, it enables and it encourages us to use all that we have been given for his glory and for his kingdom. You see, the life of faith demands costly commitment. The question to ponder then in your heart today is this. How do you manage your God-given resources? How do you manage your time and your talent and your treasure? Do you hoard it for yourself or for your family? Or do you invest them into the kingdom for great gain? That can mean a whole lot of things. But I want you to ask yourself that question. Cast your goods upon the kingdom of God, and after many days, you will find it. Verse three, Solomon further develops the hard reality that life is unpredictable, which brings us to our third point. Accept unpredictability. Accept unpredictability. Now, if we have learned anything from the book of Ecclesiastes, it's that, that life is uncertain. In verse three here in chapter 11, he says, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will be. Okay. Seemingly in en- cryptic passage. Interesting. The text may seem like it's speaking of predictability. Clouds fill up. Clouds unload. I can plan around that. I can check my weather app. I can make sure I know when to go to the beach and when not to go to the beach. But if that first half of the verse can be translated or interpreted that way, um, then how do we make sense of the second half? What do we make of the tree falling over randomly? Who cares which way it falls? Now what Solomon is most likely speaking about here is unpredictability, which is the consistent, excuse me, which is consistent with this whole passage. He's saying if the clouds are full of rain, they are going to empty themselves. And you know what? There's nothing you can do about that. If a tree falls from a strong wind picking up and it falls either to the right or to the left, there's nothing you can do about that. You can't plan for that because life is unpredictable and because we are not in control. There's nothing you can do to stop the rain from falling. There is no way for you to make arrangements for a random tree to fall in a particular direction that might suit your needs better. It's outside of our control. Connecting back with verse two, Solomon is saying, exercise wisdom and diversify your investments now because life is unpredictable. Earthly investments do not guarantee a return. Now, this is a hard truth to receive, that we are not in control. Like, nobody wants to hear that they're not in control. But most people know that life is unpredictable, but hardly anyone lives like it is. And those who actually do, a lot of them are just doomsday Uh, preparers hunker down in bunkers but we don't usually live like life is unpredictable we plan we schedule and we pencil in. that's okay but when pandemics come and the stock market crumbles and the paychecks stop coming in and the children are at home all day driving us crazy and the toilet paper is scarce that's when everyone starts to freak out that's when we start realizing that life is unpredictable that we can't control our circumstances we are shocked when our little control routine of life has been derailed. Solomon is simply reminding the readers of Ecclesiastes to be realistic. Life is not in your control and you need to accept that. This is one of the main themes of the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon wrestles with this frustrating fact of life over and over and over again. And because we are quick to forget this when things are synced up and going well, Solomon is trying to ground us in this reality so that we know how to live in an unpredictable world. He does this by first telling us what not to do. Verse four, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. One of the crippling responses people have to living in an unpredictable world is inactivity. Fear of what could happen gets in the way of what should happen. The imagery given here in verse four is a farmer spending his days trying to calculate the perfect window of when he should sow and when he should reap, when he should do all this farming. And, and he's doing this instead of actually just getting out there and doing the work. Now agriculture in ancient Israel was not an easy career path. So much of their livelihood and produce was dependent on the weather. If the wind was too strong when they were casting seed out, it would spread the seed too far and not where they want it to land. If the rain was not in the forecast, then the crops would dehydrate and wither and die. The weather could make or break the farmer's life and livelihood. The farmer in our illustration here is doing nothing because he is searching for something that is not there. He is searching for complete security and predictability. And because of this, He will not sow, he will not reap, and he will not experience increase or reward. Now we have to understand that there are events in life that are unpredictable. There are events in life that we just can't plan for. If only I could think of one example of a circumstance or an event in life that were just unpredictable and we couldn't plan for. I mean, honestly, this pandemic is a trip. It's extremely bizarre to me. The whole toilet paper issue has been both funny and scary at times. But in all seriousness, who could have planned for a worldwide pandemic that would kill thousands of people, that bring our booming economy to a grinding halt, that closes schools and quarantines us to our homes and really shakes everybody to their core? Solomon is warning us here. Don't waste your life trying to prepare prepare for the unknown. Don't restrain from wise investments in fear of what could happen, which is a real temptation here. Understand, he's saying, understand that life is unpredictable. Life is out of your control. Just keep living. Now Solomon drives home his point with one final example in verse five. Chapter 11, verse five, let's read that. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. The truth is, there are some things in life that only God knows. God knows what, God knows why, and we don't. Solomon has been teaching this point throughout this book. In chapter 8, he says this in verses 16 and 17. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep, then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out, even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. Man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. Only God knows. God is omniscient, which is a fancy way of saying that God knows all, he is all knowing. And you know what, we don't. God is sovereign, another fancy word that means that God has complete authority over all that takes place under the sun. And you know what, we do not. Solomon is telling us that this is the way life is. So back to the big question. If life is hevel, a mist, a vapor, meaningless, here today, gone tomorrow, unfair, uncertain, out of our control and unpredictable, how then should we live? How do we operate in a world that is unstable and at times doesn't make sense? How do we live in a world where you can go from riches to rags overnight when the economy crashes? In a world where you can be healthy one day on your deathbed the next? in a world that can get shut down by a virus in a matter of months. How do we live? Solomon says, live in faith. Point number four, live in faith. Verse six. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Modern translation, just keep going to work. Keep investing your resources keep diversifying your in, your in investments who knows maybe one or all will bring a healthy and wealthy return what a great answer right just go to work for all of you at home who are thinking like i've been looking for a biblical answer just go to work and ignore the government this is not it okay stay home but i think it's a great answer it sounds like something my dad would have told me back in like junior high when I was coming up with several excuses to not do chores or why I couldn't do chores, his reply would be simply this. Just go to work. Just deal with it. Go to work. It's kind of an anticlimactic end to this question, but isn't that the book of Ecclesiastes for you? Like 80% Debbie Downer vibes, full of wisdom for sure, but wisdom that isn't always easy to hear? The point Solomon is making is that we can't do anything to prevent the unpreventable. So the best thing we can do is to simply accept that. Keep working, living, investing, enjoying all the toil for this is God's gift to man. Now I wanna close with considering the second allusion to the life of faith in this passage, which is this. And I want this just to be an encouragement to you church. Faith in God does not keep us from the troubles that come from living in an unpredictable and fallen world, but it does help us live through it. Faith in God does not keep us from the troubles that come to us when living in an unpredictable and fallen world, but it does help us endure and live through it. Now for the Christian, we may not know the when or the why or the how but we for sure know the who. We know God and more importantly, we're confident that he knows us and calls us his own. We know God cares about us because he tells us so. In Psalm 139, verses 16 through 18. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. We know that God has plans for us. that We fit into God's will. Ephesians chapter one, verses four through five, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. We know that God will never forsake us because he tells us so. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we also know that God is in control. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. One of the most important realities of the Christian, something that we can really just walk away with today and really reflect on and be thankful for, when we're thinking about living in times that are unpredictable, uncertain, and we don't know what's gonna happen, is a reflection on the resurrection of Jesus Christ knowing who Jesus is knowing what he did for us living a perfect life knowing that he died on the cross to take our place to pay for our sin so that we could have the hope of restoration with God and then knowing that Christ rose from the grave that is a great encouragement that gives us hope even when we face the most troubling circumstances even when we're in the most difficult situations to know that in Christ we have an eternal hope and inheritance that we too will rise again. The life of faith is the only way to flourish in an unpredictable world. And I wanna close right now by reading just a few lines from a hymn that help communicate moving forward, living in light of the fact that Jesus is alive and well, that Jesus rose from the grave, and how we can keep living this life of faith as well. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future, life is worth the living just because he lives. Let's pray. Father, we do understand that life, as hard as it can be, is worth living because Jesus lives because we know our eternal destination. We have this wonderful hope of the resurrection. Thank you for that. We're also thankful for your word and the wisdom that is here. God, both super practical wisdom on our resources and investing and diversifying and not being overly concerned about predicting the future or how unstable life can be, but just a simple encouragement of just just work. Just go about your business, enjoy life, trust God, love your family. Also, the great encouragement to to look around us, to really take an inventory at the God-given resources that we have and think about using those things, investing those things into your kingdom, not hoarding them to ourselves, but God, taking those steps of faith for your glory, ultimately for our good we're still thinking over the gospel and how it reminds us that we are saved by grace and grace alone that it's because of what christ has done that we know and have this wonderful restored relationship with you not what we have done what christ has done i just pray god that as we think about and consider this text and consider the gospel reminders and take the honest inventory of our resources and how we can use them for your kingdom and for your glory, that you would be blessed through that, that your Holy Spirit would continue to work through our lives this week and throughout this day. So Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you, Apostles Church. Have a great Sunday. I miss you and I love you and I'm looking forward to the day that we can gather once again as a church.